It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I am looking forward to using the tip that Yvonne Fuchs shares the next time I pin base the quilt. Yvonne is a former aerospace engineer turned modern quilter, designer, and technical editor. She has developed a style that bridges her technical background and love of bold color, specializing in transparency color play and bold geometric designs. Yvonne's quilts have been featured in numerous national and international magazines, quilt shows, and modern quilt designs of the new century. Yvonne, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Thank you. It's great to be here. I want to start back. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I was raised in the United States of America. I say that because my father was a mechanical engineer who worked in the chemical industry, and he was a really great mechanic, and he would work for these companies and get a plant that was having trouble in one way or another up and running, and then once it was working, we would move, and he'd go and fix the next place. So I got the best education that is possible because I would move from one school system to another and have, you know, really good English teacher here, amazing science in this school system there. And so we floated around to the U.S. a little bit and just got to see the sights of the U.S. Wow. Well, traveling around the United States so much, do you have a special childhood memory? I actually have a very special childhood memory of my maternal grandmother. She lived with us when I was little until she passed away. And when my parents were celebrating a major wedding anniversary, they went on a trip together and grandma took care of my brother and I. And I remember being in the kitchen with her, talking with her, and she's making some brownies. And she asked me, do you want your brownies to be male or female? And I said, I don't know what that means, Grandma. And she said, with or without nuts. <laughs> the funniest little memory in this glimpse of uh, the humor that she had. So, yeah. Oh, she sounds like a fun grandma. Yeah, she's also the one to pull out my first loose tooth. Yeah, I have some really lovely early memories of her being with us. So did she travel with you from place to place, or was that just during a certain place you were at? Yeah, so she and my mom lived in the Blacksburg, Virginia area, and then when my parents got married, they moved to Parkersburg, West Virginia, and Grandma eventually moved in with us there. And then when we moved from Parkersburg to the first Newtown, which was Ottawa, Illinois, she came with us. So she lived with us in those two locations until she passed away. Nice. Well, besides your quilting business, can you tell me about your employment and why you chose that career? Sure. So I was always a really good student, and I felt a little isolated growing up, sort of the nerd. I was really bookish. I really liked math and science. And when it 
came time to picking a major for school, I decided to major in aerospace engineering. And my hope was that I would find a community of like-minded, nerdy, excited people about space. And I was really lucky and able to get a job outside of college working for NASA. So I worked for NASA Langley Research Center and NASA Kennedy Space Center before I left working for the government and took a job in the private sector for a company called Scaled Composites. And at Scaled Composites, I worked on the development of Spaceship Two, which is a suborbital vehicle that was, I guess, our customer was Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic. So we worked on building the prototype vehicle and doing the building, the engineering, the development, and the flight testing. So that was a pretty exciting capstone career project for me. So neat. I can't even imagine what you got to experience. (laughs) Yeah, being an engineer is definitely a little bit different than being a quilter, but I will say that I enjoyed working in the team environment and that I liked the most about working at Scaled Composites is that I got to be a part of all of it. So I got to do, you know, the math on the back end. I was working, my specialty was as a stress or structural analyst. So I would do a lot of the math and the, the back end stuff to help provide definition for how to build the vehicle. And then I could go out into the shop. And while we had composite fabricators and AMP mechanics and specialists, I could go out and work with them when they needed that extra help, and I could actually help build the vehicle as well. It was a very cool experience. Wow. When you were in college studying, was NASA on your radar, or did that just fall in place after you graduated? Oh, NASA was definitely on my radar when I was in college. It was sort of this image I had set it up on this pedestal and I thought, you know, really smart people must work there. And if I work really hard, maybe I can work there too. And so there's a program that many engineering colleges offer. It's called cooperative engineering. And the way it works is you go to school for a semester and then you get hired by a company that is in agreement with your university and you go and you work at that company for a semester and you earn money and you get work experience and you come back to college and you take your next semester of classes so you alternate back and forth so it takes longer to graduate but you get real world experience and practical hands-on knowledge which one helps you focus your area of interest within the university and two helps you have a better resume when you are out job hunting at the end of college and I tried really hard and said I want to co-op for NASA and I was able to establish a cooperative engineering relationship with NASA Langley Research Center when I was in college so that was really exciting for me. And the great thing about the way that Langley structured their co-op program is I worked in one area on my first co-op rotation, and then I worked in a different area on my second rotation, and then in a third rotation area. So they didn't just keep putting me back in the same area. I got to experience what design engineering was like, what working in wind tunnels was like. And then on my third rotation, I was doing vehicle dynamics and analysis. And I was like, oh, this is this is something that really appeals to me. So I tried out different aspects and then I got into analysis and said, oh, you know, this is it. This is, this is the niche that works best for me. And that was exciting to know before I had even graduated college. What a wonderful way to do your education. Not everybody has that opportunity. 
No, and it certainly helped pay the bills and give me some spending money when I was back at college. Mm -hmm. Where do you live now, and how did you get there from being raised? I am currently living in Keao, Hawaii, which is on the big island and just south of Hilo. My husband and I met when I was a co-op student at NASA Langley Research Center. He was as well. And he was going to school at the University of New Mexico, and I was going to school at the University of Tennessee. So we dated long distance. After I graduated, I actually took a job outside of NASA because NASA wasn't hiring at the time. And I moved to Austin, Texas, and he transferred to finish up his undergraduate degree at the University of Texas. So we were able to get married and start our life there. And once he graduated from college, we got our jobs at NASA Kennedy Space Center. So we moved to Florida for a few years, and that was the period of time when return to flight was happening. So this was after the Columbia accident, and so there was a lot of work happening at Kennedy Space Center to make sure that when the space shuttle was returned to flight, it was as safe as possible. And we were doing all of that hard work, but at the same time, it was also when it was announced that the shuttle program was going to end. And so my husband and I looked at each other and said, you know, long term, without having the space shuttles launching, it's going to be quiet here at Kennedy for a while. So we might want to look at finding a job elsewhere. So we transferred away from Kennedy back to Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia, where we had originally met. And we lived there for a year or two. And we were working on what comes next for NASA, which was the Constellation program at the time. And then we got job offers to go work in California for scaled composites. And so we were there in California for, oh goodness, 12 years. And we worked at scaled composites for a long time. I eventually transitioned away from engineering while we were there and my husband continued working. And then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, my husband and I had been thinking a long time about getting him to a place where he could also step away and try something a little bit different as well. And an opportunity came up for buying this property here in Hawaii. It's a three-acre little farm with a tiny little cottage where we can be a little self-sufficient. And so we thought, well, it's in the middle of the pandemic. He's working remotely from home. And if they don't like the fact that we've moved away, well, it gives him the opportunity to leave that job and we'll give this a try. So we moved in December 2020 to this little farm in Kao. And we've been working really hard on fixing it up and getting the orchard to produce healthy, beautiful fruit, fix up the little cottage. And his company is just so grateful that he continues to work for them. So he's still working remotely for them. Yeah, we're just giving this a try. How fun. Now, you mentioned an orchard. What trees are you growing? Let's see. We have mature orange trees. And so right now we are getting lots of fresh oranges and fresh squeezed orange juice. We have Meyer lemon tree that is very abundant. And so I'm looking up lots of recipes that call for lemon zest and lemon juice. We have a lychee tree. We have two avocado trees. We have a macadamia nut tree and mountain apple tree, which produces the most beautiful petals and creates this beautiful pink halo every time it flowers. We have several sapote trees. Anyway, we have lots of very interesting local and more tropical trees and fruits on the property. Wow. So it's not all the same. What a good variety. 
Yeah, it's really fun. And there's almost always something in season, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, when we visited Hawaii, we found out that since everything has to be trucked in, prices were kind of high. Did you find that to be true? Yeah, so some things are definitely more noticeably expensive. That is true. I will say that we moved from Southern California or Central California, so some things there weren't necessarily cheap either. So the price differential to us wasn't as noticeable or marked as if we had moved from elsewhere in the country, I think. Yeah. Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done? So I definitely wanted to try all kinds of crafting things when I was a kid. There was those little pot weaving kits. I definitely went through a phase of making lots of those. Friendship bracelets using embroidery floss. I still make those, actually. And I have done some cross-stitch, but I would say that the biggest craft that I've picked up has definitely been quilting. And how about hobbies you might have? Yeah, so I like puzzles and puzzle games, like word games right now. Wordle is really popular. (laughs) I like to travel. But I think the biggest one that falls into this category is probably exercise for me. It's really important to me that I stay physically healthy and active and engaged. And a lot, my previous job as an engineer had me sitting at a desk for long hours. And now in my current career, I spend a lot of time sitting as well. So I want to make sure that I am getting movement and I'm healthy. So I guess I probably put exercise a little bit into the hobby category here. Try to make sure I do some every day. Mm -hmm. Do you see any of your hobbies showing up in your quilting? Oh, wow, that's a good question. I think that, in a sense, yes, because I do like puzzles and puzzling the way things work and come together. It makes sense that I transition to writing quilt patterns and puzzling how to fit things together a little bit. So, yeah, in some way, I think I can see that. I also was tying it in with your exercise. If I saw it correct, you were taking pictures of your quilts on a hike that you took. So maybe the hiking in your quilts were tying in together there. That makes a lot of sense. It's totally true because my husband and I do like to travel together, although since the pandemic that's been curtailed a little bit. But yeah, you're right. I think that travel being something that we enjoy doing together and hiking and being outdoors and nature lends itself really well for final quilt photography. Yeah. How were you introduced to quilting? When I was in high school, my paternal grandmother, who was a prolific hand quilter and well known for making lots of quilts and donating them and raising money for charity and for her church, she contacted my mother and I and said, if Yvonne would like to make a twin-size quilt top. I will hand quilt it for her so that she can have that for her dorm room bed. And Grandma wasn't really big on showy gifts or affection, and I thought this was awesome. I couldn't say no to it. So Mom and I went to a quilt shop, and we looked up a beginner book, and it was called Quilt in a Day 
It was a quilt in a day pattern by Eleanor Burns, and it was 63 pages long and a book, <laughs> which I laugh at, it being a quilt in a day. We looked at the book. We decided that, okay, this is something that's doable. So we bought the book. We bought fabrics that looked almost exactly like the quilt on the cover. We bought a rotary mat and a rotary cutter. And together, we kind of puzzled through how to piece the quilt top. Now, my mom had a sewing machine and had been a seamstress and sewer growing up, and I, I knew that she did that, but she mostly made garments. She made clothes for my brother and I when we were younger. We got through the cutting stage. Okay, we figured out how to use the rotary cutter. Now it's time to start sewing our seams together. She's like, what is this quarter inch all about? Because she was used to a little bit more generous seam allowances. And I will say that some of my first seams were definitely wobbly and inconsistent. But yeah, we figured it out together. She had me do most of the work. You know, she taught me how to thread the machine and do some basics and oversaw what I was doing to be safe. I would say it took maybe six months to get the full top piece. And then we got that over to my grandmother because we would always go and visit her for Thanksgiving. So we took it with us for Thanksgiving and we bought a sheet for the backing fabric. And she hand quilted that for me and I did use it on my dorm room bed. It was a really wonderful gift. I bet you thought of her often during your college years. Oh, I sure did. It was really lovely to have that and to have that connection to home. And then it was actually while I was on my second co-op rotation, she passed away. And I was just so glad that I had had that time in connection with her. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite quilt or quilt pattern? Oh, oftentimes it's the one that I'm working on, but let me think. I think that right now the one that just tickles me the most at the moment is my pattern and quilt that I made called Push-Pull. And I specifically designed this particular quilt to have the elements look like they're sliding off the edge of a queen-size bed. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's at a different phase of their life, but I'm starting to go through some perimenopausal symptoms and I'm definitely having those periods of time in the middle of the night when I don't need covers on me. And so my husband and I have this little tug of war with the covers on our bed at night. And I just think that it's, it's a silly game. You know, it's something that we talk about and we try to strategize how I don't make him feel too hot in the middle of the night, make sure I don't dump all the covers on top of him. And so this pushing and pulling and tugging around of the quilts on the bed led me to design this just fun elements so that it looks like the quilt's already sliding off the bed when it's just beautifully made. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so neat. Is there a tool that you are just so grateful to have when you're working on your quilts? Yes. My favorite tool right now is the Hera marker. I make very geometrically strong and striking geometric patterns, and I will often want to straight line quilt my designs afterwards on my domestic machine using my walking foot. And when I'm doing things like that, I want to be pretty precise and make sure my lines are straight. So I like to mark my quilts and I have tried all kinds of different things over the years so that my lines stay nice and straight. And some things that mark on the quilts, the marks don't come out or if they go through the wash, it'll show back up again. But the hair marker really is just folding the fabric and leaving a gentle fold on top that will iron or spritz or wash out. I really like that as a tool. And it's 
something that makes me feel confident when I'm approaching my quilting, knowing that even if I mark a line incorrectly, it doesn't matter. I can just spritz the area, iron it, and mark it again. I just watched your YouTube video on using the hair marker, and you do explain it really, really well. Thank you. Uh huh. I am curious, how big of a quilt do you think that would work for? So I just finished marking yesterday a 60 by 80 quilt, which I will baste and start quilting later today. Oh, neat. And those hair markers stay for that large of a quilt? Well, I will say, depending on how much you handle it. So this particular quilt, I do anticipate that I might need to remark at some point. I'll do some of the main shapes and outline everything so that I could stabilize the quilt sandwich. But I'm going to be rotating the quilt through the throat space of my machine a lot. And I have a Juki TL 2200 QVP Mini, and it's got about seven, eight inches of throat space. So it's not the largest throat space. It is tall, but because I'll be turning the quilt through there, it means the quilt's going to get scrunched a lot. So the lines will hold up okay. The biggest thing with the hair marker is the way you have the lighting set up when you're quilting. So if you have a lot of direct down lighting, it's going to be really hard to see those lines. So for me, I added LED lighting to the throat space machine. I will turn those LEDs off so that it's not so direct. And I will set up a light beside me that's casting over my shoulder that casts a side light. And that makes me see those hills and valleys a lot better. So really the biggest thing with the hair marker is making sure your lighting works and being ready to accept the fact that, yeah, sometimes you'll have to pause and redo a line or two as you go on. Thanks for explaining that. That makes it very, very clear. Thank you. When you're working on your quilts, do you like the whole process or is there a specific part of the process you like better than others? (laughs) Anything but the cutting. I love a lot of the aspects of making a quilt, but Somehow cutting the fabric is my least favorite step, but it's easy to get over because I want to make the quilt so bad. I love doing design. I like piecing, and I think seeing the pieces come together is so magical. I really love quilting, and I love hand binding. So, yeah, I'm pretty smitten with most of the process. (laughs) Since you don't like the cutting as much, are you more willing to buy a kit that has that done already? No, because I tend to only make my own quilt designs at this point. <laughs> so that's not really, they're not kitted out because it's in my head and I'm the one testing them out. Yeah. Now for my fun question. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. Well, I think that this probably goes back to a time I went on a quilting retreat. I went to... So down Portland, which was sponsored by the Modern Quilt Guild, and they had several different classes, and my mom went with me, and so we were in the classes together, because when I started quilting, my mom also started quilting, so it's been really fun to have her on this journey with me and to be able to talk quilting with her. And one of the classes that we took was basically an improv round robin. So we started our project, and then we passed our project around the room, And other quilters worked on what we started and then we got it back. And when I received mine back, there was 
one section, and I really think that this woman was just overwhelmed that improv was not her thing, which is fine. We were there to learn. But instead of doing sort of what had been instructed, she just took a big piece of pink fabric and sewed it in there, and that was it. She added one gigantic piece of pink, and then everything else was sort of in these blacks, grays, and yellows. And so it just stood out, and it was, I don't know, it just seemed like it was yelling at me. And like this woman was unhappy, and it read very clearly in the project. So I spent some time thinking about it, and I was really disappointed because everything else that everyone else had added had added to the quilt, and it was interesting. And what I decided to do was sort of cut up her portion a little bit and interweave in other things so that the pink was still there. She still had her contribution, but instead of making it so big and loud and like feeling like I was being yelled at to try to turn it into more of a conversation. So do you still have that quilt? Do you get to see it often? It was a smaller quilt that probably finished up at a generous baby size and I actually put it for sale in my Etsy shop a few years ago and someone purchased it so it is offered a new home being used and loved. Oh good. What has drawn you to the art of quilting rather than using your time doing something else? So I made my first quilt in high school and grandma was working on hand quilting it and before I even got that quilt back from her I was working on my next quilt. It was a lot of fun. I really liked cutting things up and sewing it back together. It was something different that just put my mind in a different mental place than worrying about tests or studying or, you know, what Susie said to Bobby. Uh, So I made several more quilts while I was in high school. And then in college, it was a really great outlet for me in terms of this high-paced environment. College is so much different than high school learning to live on my own and balance everything out. And so I started quilting to give myself some solitude and meditative time and to make larger quilts because when I started co-op engineering, I needed to move off campus instead of staying in on-campus housing. So I needed a quilt for a bigger bed. So I made myself another larger quilt. And from there, it just evolved over the years as friends got married, started getting Baby shower invitations and baby quilts are so much fun to make because they're small, they're quick. They were something I could do in the evenings after work. And it really just became something I wanted to do more and more and more. And I was finding that I was being drawn to doing my own designs instead of following patterns in magazines or that you could purchase. And the more I think about it, the more I think that it basically fulfills all of the love languages for me. It's if I gift you a quilt, it's like a physical hug when I can't be there for you. It's a gift. Gifts are one of my strongest love languages, so I can give you this gift. It's like spending quality time with somebody because when I'm making a quilt for them, I'm thinking so much of them and spending that mental time with them. It's an act of service, right? I'm doing this thing for you. And in a way, it is sort of those words of affirmation because I am thinking about you and sending my love to you in this physical object as well. So for me, it's just, it's all wrapped up in how much I care about other people and wanting to give a little bit of my love back to those that I care about. You put that together so well. I love the way you said that. It is what we do in, you just expressed it really well. Thank you. Who do you usually make your quilts for? 
I tend to make my quilts for my family and friends and for myself because at this point, I can't think of a family member who I haven't gifted a quilt to. And I have two young nieces who, between my mother, myself, and then their grandmother, who also is a quilter, have more quilts than (laughs) is really needed. But hey, they can make some amazing forts in the middle of the living room with them. So at this point, I'm also making them for myself to enter into quilt shows. Yeah, but really, my biggest joy is still making baby quilts for those baby shower invitations that I get. (laughs) Is there a specific project you're working on right now? There is. I have a new pattern that I'm going to release in probably the next few weeks, and it's called Saison. I'm really on a curved piecing kick. And one of the things that I've done with the curved piecing techniques that I'm exploring right now is trying to use the largest pieces of fabric possible so that there are as few seams as possible. And sometimes that means that there are larger pieces of scrap left over. So after each of my main projects, I take those scrap pieces and then I puzzle how to use them in what I call a bonus quilt. And so I'm finishing up the bonus quilt right now. And when the face-in pattern releases, it will actually be two quilt patterns in one. It'll be face-in and then the bonus quilt, which I'm calling sequence. So two curved piecing projects in one pattern. Oh, wow. A two for one. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. No need to let those scraps sit there and wonder what to do with them. Yeah. Please share a quilting tip with me. So I am a pin baster. I know that many people are spray basters and that's great. My husband and I are just really chemically sensitive and even spraying outside, it just doesn't work for us. So I pin based my quilts and I have found in the past year or so that if I also pin based the batting to the backing outside of the quilt top, so make sure that I first and foremost pin all through the layers to get my quilt top basted. And then before I pull the quilt up, I then baste the batting down to the backing just outside of the quilt top. That keeps the backing from shifting around the edges. And I have had so many fewer pucks and tucks on the backside of my quilt since I've started doing that. Interesting. I'm going to have to use that. And I think that's a natural thing for spray basters, right? Because it's all tacked down. But for us pin basters, it isn't. So just adding that extra little bit of security around the edges has made a big difference. Yeah. When you said you were a pin baster, I thought you were going to talk about it's kind of a dowel tool to help with the pins. Oh, no, that's another great tool and tip. (laughs) Well, I saw you have a business, and I'm assuming that your quilting started as a hobby. So how did it go from hobby to business? That's a great question. So as I mentioned, as I spent more time as an engineer. Things in the engineering world are a little bit different than in the quilting world. In engineering, it's a very male-dominated industry. And I would put on my engineer persona. I would go to work. I would do that all day, and I would come home absolutely exhausted. And sometimes I would have a lot of fun, and it was really rewarding. But sometimes I would be very frustrated. I felt like I couldn't be my full authentic self when I was in the workplace all the time. And so I started quilting more and more in the evenings and finding that it was a big outlet for me 
in terms of being able to be my full creative self and do things that I really wanted and having the full expression and full control over what I was doing. When you're working on a team, that's not always possible. And that's nothing against engineering or anything. There's just a lot of compromise in any teamwork. And I was at a period of time where a lot of my friends were having babies. I was making a lot of baby quilts and the number of quilts I was making in a year was getting really large. And that capstone project that I mentioned earlier, Spaceship Two, my work on that really finished up and I had moved on to another project. And I wasn't as motivated. I wasn't having as much fun. The team environment on the new project was so much different than previous ones and it wasn't as healthy. And what happened is that my husband's grandfather passed away. And one of the things that we talked about when we were coming home from his funeral service was how he had always felt like he wasn't as appreciated at work because of the way the structure at his job environment had been set up. And I said, you know, I think it's time that I step away from engineering and I give something else a try. And so the day after we came home from grandpa's funeral, I turned in my two week notice and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what that next thing was. But when people started asking, I said quilting because I was enjoying it so much. I didn't know what it meant. So in 2014, at the end of April, I registered my business and said, I'm going to be a quilter. And it started out as me trying to make and sell quilts through Etsy. And a lot of my former coworkers were really excited to support me. And they commissioned quilts. And they were my first customers. And I really appreciate their support and enthusiasm for it. And from there, it's evolved. I have evolved into writing quilt patterns. I have evolved into teaching. And it's evolved into becoming a technical editor for the industry, for other pattern writers. And that technical editing is such a great blend of my engineering background and my love of quilting and patterns that it's really exciting for me that I've been able to find that sort of marriage of those two parts of myself. That's great how it flowed from one to the other and you were able to step right into it. You came up with a pretty cool name for your business. How did you come up with that name? So in about 2009 or 2010, I wanted to start a blog to record all of the quilts that I was making. And I figured the only person that would read it would be my mom. <laughs> but blogging was a really big deal back then. And I was idolizing a lot of these online bloggers like Don't Call Me Betsy. Anyway, I was like, I want to get in on being part of that. So I was like, I have to come up with a name for my blog. And I thought that I would call it Quilting Jet Girl because quilting is what I was doing. And Jet Girl, which was a little bit of a nod towards my engineering background and also my relationship with my husband. As a side story, when my husband was 13, he started making his own turbojet engines at home and testing them. So he got the nickname Jetman when he was a teenager. And when we started dating, I quickly became his sidekick Jet Girl. Anyway, it tied in the relationship with my husband and my aerospace background and quilting. So that's how we came up with it. I love it. That's so much fun. How did you feel and what was going through your mind when people started watching your tutorials and following you on your blog? 
I was just so excited to get to interact with other people and to start to build community. So when I left engineering in 2014, it was a little bit lonely. You know, I was used to going to work and having a lot of structure in my day and talking and interacting with a lot of people. And then when I said, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm going to focus my time on trying to develop quilting into a business, whatever that means and looks like. So I was putting time into my blog, into commenting on other blogs, onto trying to develop relationships online. And it was just really exciting to start to meet people who were interested in what I was doing and to develop this community. So I was just thrilled and I was just excited to be meeting other people online and to have it as an opportunity and outlet. And then you started putting your patterns out there. How exciting was it when that first pattern sold? Oh, it was so thrilling. Just makes you feel like someone is trusting you, right? It's a big honor when someone says, hey, I'm going to give this a try and I'd like to make it. And even more exciting than that is the first time you see someone's quilt from a pattern that you've written. Because you don't always get to see them. They make them and they see them, but it doesn't always necessarily make its way back to the designer. But to this day, anytime I see a quilt that has been made from one of my patterns, it makes my day and makes my heart feel so good to know that someone was able to successfully make a quilt from a pattern. And I love getting to see everybody's creative spin on what I've put out there. Have any of them kind of shocked you and like, wow, I didn't think of it in that colorway or them doing something a little different with it? Absolutely. And honestly, the thing that blows me away the most is how it's quilting and the way that people can elevate their quilts through their quilting. And I love getting to see everybody's creative takes, not only on the colorways or the modifications on adding a border or not doing the border, but yeah, I think it's really the quilting that often catches my eye. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? Well, I love teaching. And one of the things that the pandemic has offered is the ability to offer virtual options for teaching. Now that I'm living in Hawaii, travel for guilds would be a lot more expensive. But the fact that we can meet through Zoom or I can host a Zoom workshop has made that ability for me to interact with people a lot of fun. So I offer virtual lectures and virtual workshops, and I'm hoping this year to be able to expand out and offer some more personally held workshops instead of just through guilds. So if anyone is interested and wants to reach out and explore those opportunities with me, I'd be thrilled to do so. And let us know where we can find your business. You can find me at quiltingjetgirl.com or just anywhere on any of the social media platforms. I'm always at quiltingjetgirl. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me, Yvonne. I have enjoyed this so much. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.